Well, welcome back to another edition of the Boilers Extra podcast uh, through SoundCloud and on uh, jconline.com. Mike Carmen with you on this uh, Wednesday, uh, April 20th. Uh, a couple of uh, topics uh, to get to today uh, that we can expand on. Um, you know, the Big Ten uh, Conference announced uh, earlier today that its uh, football championship game would stay in Indianapolis through 2024. That's not really uh, big news. Uh, it's good news, but uh, the most significant uh, uh, news of, of that press release was that the basketball tournaments, men and women, will be heading to Minneapolis. Uh, the women will be there in 2023. The men and the women will play in Minneapolis in 2024. Uh, next year's men's tournament will be in Chicago at the United Center. Uh, going to touch on that and also try to provide an update on Nigel Pack and that situation with Purdue as uh, Nigel is clearly the number one target for Purdue in the transfer portal and he is uh, out making visits after starting his uh, portal journey uh, at Purdue uh, earlier this month. Uh, but first of all, with the, the Big Ten tournaments, uh, it's not really a, a surprise that the basketball tournaments uh, are, are moving around the, uh, quote, footprint uh, of the Big Ten. Uh, Jim Delaney did this uh, with the men's tournament, uh, moving them to Washington, D.C. and New York for a couple of years. Um, you know, the thinking there was if you're going to invite teams from the East Coast, Rutgers and Maryland, to join your league, you need to take an event to them every once in a while and uh, and the Big Ten did that. I don't think either one of those tournaments um, was a smashing success when you get right down to it. Um, and then I didn't cover either one, but just uh, watching from afar, I don't, I don't think that they were uh, considered a, a home run uh, as much as, as, as we think of Indianapolis. And obviously being in this part of the country, uh, Indianapolis uh, is the perfect spot. It is the ideal spot because of the way that downtown is situated, the arena. And you just have a broader uh, fan base uh, that is interested in the Big Ten in general uh, and not just the individual teams. Um, and I, I do think Indianapolis, that's appealing because you have a wide range of interest uh, when it comes to the Big Ten where I think out east, you are segmented in your in your rooting interest, just with the general fan base. Um, you know, the Big Ten, even though Rutgers and Maryland have been in the Big Ten now, coming up uh, close to a decade, um, it's still not uh, what what you would view as you know the Big Ten making some inroads. Well, I mean, you could make the case that you need to. To, to hold tournaments out there, you need to up your presence out there to, to make that a reality. But the reality is New York is a professional market. Uh, Washington, D.C. is a professional market. Uh, the Big East uh, is the college conference of choice out there. Not that the Big Ten can't make any inroads. Um, and, and it's okay to have a tournament out there once in a while. And, you know, the Big Ten got in and got out and got back to the Chicago-Indianapolis cycle, which it should have, and which it, it probably should always be because of the location, uh, the, the opportunity to get to each city, 
Uh, Indianapolis is not going to gouge you from a tourist standpoint. Um, you know, everything's within walking distance. It is the ideal setup. Uh, but it, going to Minneapolis is just, uh, just seems out there. And, you know, and Kevin Warren, the, the commissioner, he makes, um, makes the decisions on these. And, you know, he had, I had interviewed him last fall and he had said that they wanted to take it around, uh, you know, the Big Ten footprint and have shorter contracts, two year cycles, uh, as opposed to, to longer term deals that they've had. Uh, in, in previous years, but I, I just, uh, this will be an interesting move to watch, uh, and see how this unfolds, uh, because you're, you're going, uh, you're, you're making it hard on, uh, majority of your fan base in the Big Ten to get to Minneapolis, uh, for a week or two weeks, depending on if you want to, you know, watch the women's tournament and then the men's tournament. They'll be held, uh, in, in separate weeks, uh, but I, you, you, most of your fan base will will not make that trip because it's just it's going to be difficult to get to. Uh, now it does make it a little better for fans of Iowa and maybe Nebraska and Wisconsin uh, to get to Minneapolis as opposed to, to to getting to Indianapolis. So there, there's you know you, you bring you do bring probably a little bit more of the, those fan bases into play. Uh, for that tournament, but overall, you know, I, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say it'll be a failure, but it, it, it would be interesting to watch. And how Minneapolis ended up with this is probably really curious. Uh, Kevin Warren did come from the Vikings and, uh, Minneapolis before he was the Big Ten commissioner. So you can, you know, connect the dots there that, you know, maybe he was knowing the, knowing the people who work with the Vikings and work with the city. Uh, maybe that gave them an edge. But the other thing, too, and something I heard a few weeks ago, is that Kevin Warren was trying to uh, sell the combination of both tournaments to cities uh, outside of Indianapolis. Now, Indianapolis would love to have the men's and the women's tournament every year. Uh, they've done a good job with it. Uh, they don't have any issue hosting the women's tournament uh, along with the men's tournament. Uh, and again, it's the ideal location, but there were some cities that, that, that balked at, uh, um, having to do the women's tournament. And, uh, they, they just, they didn't feel like it was a benefit to their city to, to have the women's tournament, uh, from, from the standpoint of, you know, from a, a financial stand, you know, financial situation and, and other things and what kind of, uh, interest it would draw. Uh, you know, to help, to help their community and help their city. They, you know, they, they understand the men, the men's tournament will, will do that, but there, there were some cities that were, that didn't want to make that commitment. You know, yes, they wanted the men's tournament, but they, they didn't want the women's tournament along with it, uh, just because of those reasons. Um, so, and, you know, finally Minnesota, you know, if, if I'm guessing here, knowing the way that some of these things work, is that, you know, Minnesota was willing to take the women's tournament in 2023, which before all this happened, the women's tournament had nowhere to go because, you know, Indianapolis was out of the mix for 2023. They've, they've gone on and scheduled other events at the field house. And the way, the way I see this unfolding is that, you know, Minnesota had to take the, the women's tournament in 2023 
probably in order to get the men's tournament and the women's tournament in 2024. Um, because, you know, we were running up against a deadline here. Uh, and I understand we're, we're less than a year away. And that's, you know, these events are scheduled pretty well in advance. And, you know, if you go back to last fall, when, you know, Kevin Warren was working on this last fall, he told me, and he was hoping to have a decision back in uh, October within two weeks of the Big Ten Basketball Media Day. And here we are in, what, April 20th? So I think there was a lot of uh, negotiating going on, a lot of, uh, well, if you want this, you're going to have to do this, do this. And, um, you know, I just think, you know, this is kind of where the Big Ten ended up by default. Uh, I'm not sure that this is something that uh, Minneapolis really wanted. You know, sure, they wanted the men's tournament, uh, but I'm not sure they wanted the women's tournament to go to go with it. You know, Kevin Warren's grand idea is to play the Big Ten basketball tournaments, men and women, in the same week in the same city. Uh, now, last year during the pandemic, uh, they, they were able to do that because you had Lucas Oil Stadium and you had the field house and uh, it was able to work that way. And, you know, a city in a city like Indianapolis, it might be able to work and it could work in a city like Minneapolis as well because they have the Viking Stadium along with the Target Center. Uh, so, you know, it, it's possible to work, but the big hang up there as far as running both tournaments in the same week is is television for the women's tournament because the the BTN has uh, all the men's games up through Friday, up through the quarterfinals, and then CBS takes over for the semifinals and the final where if if you're playing the women's tournament that same week, they they have no TV option other than streaming uh because you know the the men's tournament is going to is going to take uh precedent from a from a television standpoint and BTN doesn't want to give that up doesn't want to give up that revenue uh so it would be very hard to do unless you found another uh television network that would be willing to to broadcast the women's games which you probably could find i i would think you have a lot of you know you have fox sports um, which is a television partner of the Big Ten. You got Fox Sports Two. You got Fox Sports One. You got a lot of different outlets there that you can go to uh, potentially. Uh, so, um, but that's the hang-up as far as running both tournaments in the same week. Ideally, if you could if you could pull it off, you would play your women's championship game of the of the conference tournament on Saturday night after the men's semifinals in the afternoon but how do you get to that point from a tv standpoint for the women's uh, tournament are you taking a day off on friday are you you know where where are you playing uh, do you have to use two separate facilities which i think you'd have to do so there's a lot of log- logistical things that would have to happen i think you know fans would probably like it because it gives them something to do uh in the downtime when the men, when the men's team, you know, if there's not any overlap there and, you know, how you, how you pull all that off. So it, it'll probably happen one day. Uh, but I don't know if it's going to be something here in the, in the future because there are a lot of things that just have to get worked out. 
So the you know the basketball tournaments are headed to Minneapolis. Um, you know personally, uh, as you, you you can probably tell, um, you know I, I'm not a I'm not a fan of it. Uh, just because I you know Indianapolis is the perfect spot, and I think most Purdue and Indiana fans would agree uh, with that because you're gonna have you're gonna have big crowds regardless of who's playing when it's in Indianapolis, uh, where. Minneapolis, you might not have that. You might not have the kind of crowds that you do in Indy or maybe Chicago. Uh, just because I, I don't know if Minnesota, you know, really, it's it's Big Ten country, but is it truly Big Ten country? And uh, are they going to have enough people there to to, to make the atmosphere uh, what it normally is when it's in Indy uh, or Chicago? But you know, this is. Uh, this is what uh, the conference has decided. This is what w- we all have to live with, and uh, and then we'll see what we'll see what happens as as it as as it gets a little closer. And um, and again, not not surprised it happened uh, because I think it was you know based on some of the things that I've I've heard the last few weeks. You know this this is where this is where it was headed, um, and you know this is what it's going to be. Uh, for at least 20, 2023 and 2024. Uh, then beyond that, we'll see, uh, if Indianapolis gets back in the mix. Let's hope so. Uh, you know, I think ha- having it in Indianapolis, uh, four out of five years, four out of six years, something like that. I, you know, I think Indianapolis still needs to be the hub of the Big Ten tournament, both tournaments. And really, the women's tournament should be played in Indianapolis. I don't, I don't think there's any question about that, and that's where it belongs. They, they've played in some other cities, Grand Rapids in 2001, uh, Hoffman Estates, I think in 2015, uh, but the majority of their, their tournaments have, have been in Indy, whether it's at Hinkle Fieldhouse, the old Hoosier Dome, uh, you know, Conseco, Gamebridge, whatever you want to call it. Uh, they, they've, they've had most of their... Uh, Almost all of their tournaments in Indianapolis, and it's a, it's a, it, it's been very successful. Uh, there's no reason not to, not to have them there, other than the Big Ten probably drug its feet uh, in, in trying to to make a lot of other things work. Uh, so, but anyway, let's hope that it gets back to Indianapolis over the long haul. Um, and you know it's good for the Big Ten football championship game to be in Indy because it's been there uh, for such a long time. You know I think it's a staple now, and trying to move it uh, somewhere else at, at this juncture probably would not uh, be a good idea. But you know we we live in a different world now uh, in the Big Ten, and you know their media rights um, are, are coming up uh, after the 2023 season. Uh, or school year, uh, so we'll see where that that th- there was a report that uh, uh, the Big Ten's already uh, settled on its main uh, main TV rights with Fox, uh, which is you know they do the big noon kickoff uh, and they do some other things and you have Fox and then Fox Sports One and uh, some other outlets there, uh, so they've got the main part figured out from that standpoint. The the, the interesting thing there. Is that you have a lot of other suitors now getting in the room? CBS, which is going to lose or has already lost the SEC uh, package uh, that they that they had on at 3:30 on Saturdays, 
uh, which helped the SEC into the place of strength that it is now. Uh, NBC has reportedly been involved in in trying to do a Notre Dame slash Big Ten television package, um, and then you still have ESPN out there, you know, trying to make sure that it can get Big Ten content as well. Um, the, the other thing is that uh, uh, Turner, TNT, uh, and that and those folks uh, have have expressed an interest in in uh, you know getting involved in the Big Ten package. Uh, which would be, which would be very, very interesting. I mean, it's, I could see one scenario where, um, ESPN is, might be left on the sidelines with the Big Ten. I, I think that would be drastic. I don't know if that's, um, that would be smart. Um, to, in, in some regards, you still need ESPN talking about you. In, in some, some area, if you go back to when hockey was not on ESPN, uh, ESPN didn't talk about hockey. Uh, and now that hockey is back on ESPN, they talk about hockey. Uh, so if the Big Ten, for whatever reason, wasn't on ESPN, either football or, or men's basketball or even women's basketball, ESPN is not going to talk about you. Now, do they still have the same audience that they've, that they've always had? Uh, no, they, they don't because those numbers have dwindled. Uh, through a lot of different means, cable, you know, people don't subscribe to cable as much as they used to, or satellite. Uh, they do stream, uh, so you, you know you're still able to get ESPN. But um, yeah, it, it's interesting. Does the Big Ten need ESPN, or does the ESPN does ESPN need the Big Ten? You know, the ESPN has a lot of hours to fill from a content standpoint. You know, Big Ten helped them get going with. Big Monday and Super Tuesday and whatever catchy names they had for other days of the week. Uh, so there's still, you know, I think the, I think the the, the Big Ten, uh, or not the Big Ten. I think ESPN really needs the Big Ten to help fill out its programming, uh, understanding, you know, what they bring to the table. So that that negotiation is really uh, going to be interesting to 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 follow uh, as it comes to a close, probably. Sometime this spring into the summer, it might even drag into um, the last time they made any kind of announcement on their TV package was around uh, Big Ten football media days in July. So I, I could see something uh, coming coming at that point uh, if they do get things wrapped up. Anyway, that's uh, it's a little bit of inside baseball for you, but. Um, just kind of, you know, if you're interested in those things and where you're gonna, where you're gonna find Big Ten content in the future, uh, this is, this is an important, uh, television or media rights agreement for, for the league. Now, regarding Nigel Pack, uh, you know, Purdue, I think, uh, based on, um, based on the information that I've been hearing is Purdue still in really good shape, uh, with Nigel Pack. He, you know, he came, uh, to Purdue on a visit once the dead, dead recruiting period ended after the final four. He was there really close to the, I think it ended at noon on a Thursday and I think he was there shortly after noon. So he got his visit in at Purdue. He, you know, Purdue was the first visit for him and you would expect him to go out and, and, uh, go, go see other places. And that's what he's done. He's been to Miami. I think he's wrapping up a, a visit to Ohio State. 
there's some uh, questions whether he'll make it to Tennessee or not. You know, if he doesn't go to Tennessee on a visit, then I probably anticipate a decision uh, from him, uh, you know, coming over the next, you know, several days. Of course, you know, the thing that is really driving these transfers now and recruiting in general is the name, image, and likeness. And basically, you know, NIL was not supposed to be used as an inducement to recruiting, but it's being used as an inducement to recruiting and getting people in the door and players and parents asking, well, what can you do for us type of thing? And it's all above board. It's all legal by the NCAA. The NCAA has let it reach this point uh, by doing nothing over the last several years. They spent billions of dollars fighting things like this when they all they had to do was was open it up. It, it is um, the wild, wild west, so to speak. It's just, I mean, but everything is out in the open now. There's no reason to have a mysterious bagman hanging around your program when your bagman can just come into the room and say, "Here's what we can do for you." A lot of schools have collectives, which is uh, uh, a business venture that donors or other people can donate to and then when you know they need to make a presentation or they need to get money to uh to entice a a player to come they they see how much is in the kitty and um you may make the deal and you know there's a lot of crazy numbers out there uh a lot of probably inaccurate numbers but probably accurate numbers uh, you know, the marketplace is going to determine, uh, you know, how these things play out. And I'm not saying Nigel Pack is, this is the main reason he's going to pick a school. You know, basically, uh, you know, Nigel Pack ha- has told people that, um, you know, playing closer to home, you know, he comes from, Can- he play- went to Kansas State, he's from Indianapolis, you know, attended Lawrence Central, playing closer to home, you know, being being in that kind of situation is important to him. And, you know, Purdue would fit that bill. Ohio State fits that a little bit. Uh, but, you know, Miami of Florida doesn't fit that. Uh, and really any other school that he would look at wouldn't, wouldn't fit that. Uh, so I, I, would, I would anticipate some sort of decision from him, you know, coming up pretty soon. Um, unless he's, you know, there's other schools out there that, all of a sudden want to, to make a run at him and, uh, you know, offer him however much money of, however much NIL money they want to, uh, and set up deals with them. Um, so it, it's, it's a new world, uh, one that I think coaches and schools are just, are playing catch up with every single day. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't think there's a, you know, there's no playbook for this yet other than, you know, if you really want a player, then offering his, him as much money as possible might be might be the way to go. And the 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 curious part was, you know, knowing Purdue, knowing its history, knowing uh, it doesn't want to get involved in things like this, and knowing the personality of the people that are making these decisions. You know, Purdue probably uh, at some point, whether it's now or down the line, assuming the rules stay the same, is that 
you know, Purdue's probably going to push itself into an uncomfortable place where it doesn't want to be as far as, you know, what they're going to need to do to continue, uh, you know, to recruit at the highest level possible, not just in basketball, but all sports, uh, you know, football and all those. So, um, but, you know, Matt Painter's always uh, recruited a certain type of kid, so maybe that doesn't come into play as much where, you know, football, um, it might come into play more. And as more and more high school athletes understand the concept of NIL and what it can do for them, and then you're getting into the transfer portal at, at that point, um, you know, we'll see how how far schools like Purdue are willing to go. I mean, you know certain schools are willing to go all the way because they've done it illegally for a number of years. But now, does Purdue, how far in the deep water do they go with this? And are they going to swim? Are they going to swim with the sharks? Are they going to swim with everybody? Or are they going to hold back a little bit? Um, you know, they have to, you have to take a step forward in this because you have to, you have to be a player. I mean, you can't, you can't sit on the sidelines, uh, if you want some of the highest level players out there, regardless of the sport. Um, and I, you know, also curious at what point this does, this trickle down to other, other sports at Purdue where, you know, they have an extremely rich diving history where they've produced numerous national champions and an individual sport like diving is, is prime real estate for, uh, NIL stuff because it's an, it's, it's an individual thing. Um, so although I'm, I'm not sure how, how many advertising patches you can put on a speedo. Uh, but, uh, the point is that, you know, it, it's an Olympic kind of sport that thrives in the individual part. And, you know, those, though that, those athletes can, can really benefit from, from NIL, but, at Purdue, how much will that will it trickle down to that? Um, you know, Purdue has a rich history there in diving and producing champions uh, and Olympians. Uh, is that going to be enough, or do they need to really go go play in that space uh, a little bit deeper? But um, again, it's it's changing every day. Um, you know, do players go visit some school and come back to Purdue and say, "Well, this is what." Uh, this school is offering me from an NIL perspective, and can you match that or top that? And then you're getting into negotiation and a bidding war uh, at that point. I mean, it's it's free agency at the college level, um, and it's not really play-to-play anymore or pay-to-play anymore. It's play-to-win, and, and that's what you're doing. And if boosters and other friends of the program are, are putting money into a collective and they, uh, obviously they want the best possible players you can get, but it, what happens when those players don't perform at the championship level that that the donors and the boosters want them to? Um, are they pulling their money back? Are they um, are they doing some other things to, just to make you know to, you know they everybody wants to win, and that's 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 what this is designed to do is to get the best possible players so. So, so you can win. And so it's not really pay for play. It's pay to win because that's what, that's what the money's going for. 
the money's going to to help programs win championships. Uh, the, otherwise, why would you do it? Um, so, just a lot of things to follow there, and there will be uh, changes to this. Uh, there'll be uh, different scenarios that pop up, and and just because a, a player doesn't come to Purdue doesn't mean it was NIL related. Uh, but you know that that is now a factor into into recruiting, and it's probably especially um, it gets ramped up from a from a transfer portal situation because these guys are free agents and they're going to you know some are going to go for the best deal possible as opposed to going for the best fit uh you know if Nigel Pack truly wants the best fit for himself uh for his skill set for his game uh then Purdue is the spot for him because they have a need he fits the need uh Purdue has proven it can get guys to the league, uh, so it would be the perfect fit. If he goes elsewhere, it doesn't mean he went because of NIL, but it would it would it would probably probably outline you know kind of where the priorities are now. And you know it's hard for you know it's hard for players of that age or people of that age to you know somebody wants to give you free money or give you a truck to drive around or you know, allow you to show up at a car dealership or a restaurant for two hours and you get a $10,000 check, you know, at the end of the year for doing that. It's who, who wouldn't, who wouldn't take that opportunity? Really put yourself in that student's shoes. Who wouldn't do it? I mean, everybody would do it. Hell, I, I, back when I was in college, if, I got a free pizza. It was it was wonderful. Uh, so now you're talking tens tens of thousands of dollars that uh, these these players can get. So it's be, it's, be, it's just something very interesting to follow and and keep up on. And um, it's a little bit uh, uneasy to to watch happen, but that's the way the world is right now. So what happens if Nigel Pack doesn't come to Purdue? Um, you know, there are some options out there. I mean, Purdue obviously has made him a number one priority, um, and they've expressed that to him. And, you know, if he, if he chooses elsewhere, then Purdue's going to have to go find, um, you know, a point guard. And, you know, they, they've talked to several, uh, and there are, there are several good players out there, but Purdue would be behind the game, uh, pretty much if Pac goes somewhere else. They've spent a lot of time with Pac. They've tried to, to be involved with other players. Um, and they've made it clear to other players who their number one is. Uh, so, you know, they, 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 they would have some work to do if Pac doesn't come Purdue. Now, the interesting option there would Eric Hunter Jr. be the next option. Uh, you know, I think People have, you know, saw his tweet a few weeks ago about declaring for the NBA draft, but also maintaining his college eligibility. But he, he's not really specific um, as far as whether that college eligibility would be at Purdue, would it be somewhere else? I, I think I'm safe in saying I, I don't think that if Purdue got Pack, Eric Hunter would then be an option. I think either Purdue gets Pack. Uh, and then Eric Hunter has to decide if he wants to, you know, possi- possibly play somewhere else. 
or if Purdue doesn't get Pack, does Eric Hunter become the the next option there? And he's probably 95% better than anybody that's in the portal right now. And he understands your system. He understands what's needed. Um, you know, him and Pack are a little bit of different players. Uh, you probably get more scoring out of Pack because uh, that's how he's wired. Uh, where Eric is, uh, you you can get scoring out of Eric, and he showed that the second half of the year. But he's he's that's not that's not his number one thing. Uh, it wouldn't be you know it wouldn't be a negative if he came back. And you know I I do know he has expressed some interest in coming back. Uh, but I think a lot of it, or all of it, is contingent on, you know, what happens uh, with Pack, and then, you know, Pack says he's going somewhere else, and then, you know, I think then Purdue has a deeper conversation with Hunter to kind of figure out if this is uh, the best move for both parties uh, to to come back, and you know, and this is all happening because Purdue, you know, Isaiah Thompson. Left opening up a scholarship uh, for for Purdue because uh, they're always they already had one because uh, with uh, with Jaden Ivy leaving and the other seniors leaving they already already had you know they they knew they would have to get in the portal uh, because the seniors had told them they were not coming back you know but things change over 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 time and 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 all that and. Um, you know, maybe in the bigger picture, Eric Hunter, uh, you know, wants a little bit of a do-over from, from his senior year, not just individually, but maybe as a team, how it ended, uh, how the, how the year went, uh, maybe left a little bit of a bad taste and in his mouth. And if you have an opportunity to maybe try it again and, you know, try to win a championship, you know, before you leave college, maybe this is the opportunity that you have. But, you know, Eric Hunter would have a lot of opportunities uh, across the country because there there are players, point guards that are leaving other programs. So he, he would have a lot of opportunities if it's not Purdue uh, to to extend his college uh, eligibility another year if he if he chooses to do so. And you know, maybe he's not really while you think you're ready to go out in the outside world. And start that part of your life. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're not ready to do that when you have this other opportunity here. To you know, I've talked to several athletes over the years that face these decisions. Um, you know, they're 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 23 years old. They're 24 years old. Um, you know, it's just time to time to move on to the next thing. Uh, you know, and I think Eric Hunter kind of felt that way in the fall. It's like, you know, he's 22, 23 years old. Uh, you know, it's time to kind of move on to the next thing. And uh, But again, circumstances change. Situations change where, you know, if you get an opportunity to, to maybe do it again, uh, maybe you look at that really closely. And But you, Purdue's got to have – Purdue needs to have – you know, Purdue has to have him back or – Purdue needs to want to have him back. That's what I'm trying to say. Purdue, you know, Eric Hunter can want to come back all he wants, but if Purdue and the program would don't want him back, then it's not going going to happen. I, I would find that hard to believe that they wouldn't want him back, but uh, you have to take that into account to make sure that everybody's on the same 
same page there. I think if if Purdue didn't get Nigel Pack, you know, Eric Hunter uh, would, you know, if he would come back and play uh, for another year, I think that definitely would inject um, some energy into the program and into the team. And uh, but I think Nigel Pack does that too. I think you know, again, he gives you a different skill set than what you've had at the point guard position uh, the last few years. And um, so either way, Purdue would appear to be in good shape, but you know, we don't, you don't know until it all happens. Anyway, I just wanted to touch on a couple of those subjects uh, on this edition of the podcast. Can't, can't tell you next time we'll do it, but I felt the need to do it today after some of the, you know, the big tent stuff. And as, as Nigel Pack gets closer to his decision, well, thanks for stopping by and uh, appreciate it and have a good day.